You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. No, it's not. You need to take responsibility for your life. Not right now, I don't. And it starts by raising your son. I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. The young orphan you adopted at the gala, remember? <laughs> wow, stairs. He's been living here for the past week. Hello, table. And I must say, I've grown rather fond of the young lad. Hello, secret camera. You should get to know him. You and he have a lot in common. Good. Alfred, you've been watching way too many Lifetime movies. Whoops! Hey. Wait, what are you doing? Dusty? Welcome, everybody, to the 602 Club. I mean... Welcome to Gotham, everybody. I hope everybody's having a good time. Not everybody can be as cool as me or my co-host this week, but uh, hopefully you can try. Um, we're not actually going to talk like that all episode, I, I promise. But we're excited. We're going to be here in the 602 Club talking about the Lego Batman movie. And I am very excited to have a guy who... This was one of your biggest anticipated films, was it not, Mr. Schindler? Uh, for the year, yeah, I'd say it's up there. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Then I have had the right person here in the 602 Club. Welcome back. It's great to have you. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, well, before we dive into the Lego Batman movie, just a reminder, of course, you can find all of the shows that we do here on Trek FM on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We are a featured provider there. Now, while you're in iTunes, uh, hit up uh, the 602 Club with a star rating and review. Just looking as I say that right now. And uh, no new reviews, so no one to thank at this moment. Um, I will call out the most recent review from Hobbs-1. Uh, thank you so much for your five-star review. It really means a lot. Uh, and the tagline there at the top just says, Greg, so... I'm I'm assuming that I should thank you, Greg. We really appreciate your five-star review. And follow Greg's example. Go over there to the 602 Club on iTunes and give us uh, your star rating and review and let us know what you think of the show. Also, help the show grow. Help other people find us by doing that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. If you have any thoughts or uh, anything about any of the episodes we've done, ideas for episodes, you can go over to trek.fm slash contact. Just choose a show. Choose the 602 Club. That'll come straight to me and any of the co-hosts that week. And then, of course, uh, you can find us on the Babel Conference, which is the listeners-only discussion group. And it's a great place to dive in with other listeners about everything we're talking about here on the 602 Club and across Trek FM. Go to Facebook. Type Babel into the search field there. Or... If you're on our website at trek.fm, which is a great place to go to check out all the different shows, show pages, click discussion on any of those menu bars, and it'll bring you to the Babel Conference as well. Well, Mike, uh, you know, this is a movie that I feel like we were building a lot of anticipation for. Um, 
And I know for me, I really liked the Lego movie even more than I thought I would. Now, right up front, I grew up playing with Legos as a kid, like legitimately hours upon hours. Okay, so I still play with Legos, um, but I would spend hours doing it as a child. And so to see that come to life and, and just the Lego movie surprised me with the depth that it had. And it turned out to be just a very good film. And so, you know, coming into Lego Batman, my ex- my expectations were were pretty high coming off of that. What about you kind of coming into this film? Yeah, I was definitely anticipating it. I mean, anytime you have a new Batman movie, I- I'm always looking forward to it. But I think, uh, you know, as far as the Lego movie stuff is concerned, I think they really kind of proved themselves uh, with that one because, you know, like you're saying, it's kind of ridiculous to think that a movie based on Lego would be good. You know, there's no reason to think that it would be. And, you know, it was really kind of crazy outside of the box uh, thinking, uh, no pun intended, that made that movie work. You know, the idea that it was very, um, very much an adaptation of what, uh, you know, the toy is, you know, and, and it's it's got some really, you know, sort of interesting uh, sort of... Uh, maybe um, uh, subversive thinking going on in its messages and everything saying like, don't follow the instructions, you know, just take these things and do whatever you want with them, be creative, you know, that sort of thing. And and I think that that was, was really kind of crazy. And I'm actually shocked that they were able to get away with that. And I mean, was it super entertaining? I don't know. I think I admire that movie more than I actually like it. Although I do think it's a, a decent movie, but I didn't, I wasn't like head over heels in love with it like the rest of the world was. But definitely my favorite part of that movie was Batman. I thought that all that stuff was absolutely amazing and hilarious and sort of a very interesting and cool and funny take on the character. So when I heard that, you know, they were doing a uh, sequel, a spinoff movie with Lego Batman, I was like, excellent. I cannot wait. And then, you know, when they got Seth Graham Smith to write it and, you know, they had the, you know, Chris McKay from... Robot Chicken directing it and everything. I'm like, this is going to be solid. I cannot wait for this movie. And um, yeah, it, it was. It, I was. I was definitely, definitely very highly anticipating this this film. No, I think you're right on when you're talking about just the Lego Movie and and, and the way in which it was able to. I think. I don't think anybody really expected there to be such a human element to that film, you know, mm-hmm. and and I mean that in both ways, figuratively and literally, uh, and, and the way that I think raised the bar for the film and like you were talking about the messages that it had about uh, creativity and um, letting your creativity kind of run wild and, and see where it takes you and uh, all of those things. And, and the, also I think, the the way of the connection between the father and the son there was really nice and all of those things i think it again it takes a movie that could have just been very blasé i mean come on we've had a lot of movies based on games and or toys and most of them have not been good i mean gi joe transformers battleship 
I mean, the list goes on and on, and none of these movies, except for maybe the first Transformers, is passable, it's enjoyable, it's fun. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it, it's, you know. Uh, for the most part, though, you know, you haven't had a good track record, but it felt like that the WB and the writers, uh, the Warner Brothers pictures, I mean, not the WB as in the old TV uh, station. Uh, Warner but, Bros. Uh, yeah, the old TV studio, but that they really put a lot of thought into what they wanted to do with the Lego movie. So again, I think they did set the expectations pretty high moving into the Lego Batman movie. And I guess, so talking about that, what were your first impressions kind of coming out of the Lego Batman movie? Coming out of it? Um, well, I, I watched it with my wife and uh, she's, she was a huge uh, Batman fan as well. And I think coming out of it, our first impression was like, oh my God, we, I mean, like the thing that she first said to me is like, we totally messed that up. We should have watched every Batman thing prior to this because it is so jam packed with um, so many, not, not just references, but really sort of like a, a deconstruction of the character that, you know, in order to appreciate what they were doing in this movie fully it would really help to have sort of a, a good um, knowledge of really every incarnation of the character. And I think our first, you know, reaction coming out of the theater was like, you know, we have to go home and watch all of the Batman movies and read all of the Batman comics right now so that we can come back and see it again and, and really dig deep into what was going on in this movie because it's incredibly dense and it's it's very very uh, awesome and I, I think that it's easily the best movie i've seen so far this year um but yeah that was i guess that was my initial reaction what about you yeah no i think i think you're right on in the sense that one one of the things that i liked was that the warner brothers pictures and the writers and the creators of the film they definitely love batman and they put that everywhere on screen. And not only that, but they lovingly care for all of the incarnations of Batman. Uh, you know, from Batman v Superman all the way back to the 1960s Batman. Uh, even, everyone, even further back than that. Even yeah, all the way back well, to the uh, and, original uh, serials. The, exactly. Well, and, and all the way back to the first, you know, comic. Oh, yeah, so, the first comic, too. I, I think... Um, it, What's wonderful about it is that you can tell that they have spent a lot of time studying all that stuff so that they can get their references right. And I think that's one of the f the joys of the film is getting to pick all those out and seeing them come up. And, you know, it, it is a lot of fun in that sense. I think you're absolutely right that they really do kind of nail all of those. And I, I think... In a lot of ways, that's kind of the draw as an is for most adults. Uh, you know, we're we're going to see a kids movie, so, uh, but but they really do pay attention to their Batman lore. Again, from uh, BVS all the way down to you know Detective Comics, so it, it's it's a really nice job that they do, and I think if there's anything that can be said for the film as a huge highlight. That's probably a number one. But it's more than that. It's way more than than just saying like, hey, 
you know, look, there's a, a nod to, you know, Batman and, and Robin, or there's a nod to the animated series, which they have those for sure. And, you, and, you know, when that happens, you're like, hey, that's great. But really what it does more than that is really sort of examine what it is that makes Batman Batman and, and sort of dissect, you know, the mythology and, you know, in particular, a very sort of like weird aspect of the mythology, which doesn't really make a lot of sense in most incarnations. And that's the idea of the Bat family, you know? Yeah. And and sort of get into, it, it gets into not only why he has the Bat family, but also why, you know, on the flip side of that, kind of like why, for the most part, he's a loner, why he doesn't have the Bat family. And it, it, I mean, it's kind of weird to be talking about this in, in, you know, a movie based on a toy line, but I mean, it really does get, you know, pretty deep into, you know, the psychology of the character in a way that I think uh, is more effective than most of the quote unquote serious movies, which try to do that. I mean, how many times have we seen his parents get killed in that freaking alley, you know? And how many times has it actually added to the story? How many times has has that deep brooding, him talking with someone about it or whatever, really added to, you know, our understanding of the character? Not that many, you know, comparatively speaking. And yet here, it adds a lot. It really gets into like what that did to him psychologically and why he is a loner. And I, I think that that's really, really impressive. Well, I know. I think that's something good to talk about this whole idea of kind of uh, formatting the character of, of Batman. And, you know, it does a comedic job of showing that Batman has become like the worst version of himself in the sense of that he's totally cut himself off from everyone, even almost Alfred, uh, you know, that he's, he, he doesn't want anybody near him. Um, and uh, there's a, and, and that's kind of, I think, uh, created this real needy selfishness in him, you know, like that his only identity is his Batman. Like, and I thought that was kind of funny that they always have him in the cow. Yeah. Even when he's just at home, because yeah. his whole identity is wrapped up in being Batman and absolutely nothing else. And yeah, that is an interesting look at the psychology of Batman. Um, but you're right. It it's formatted in the experience in the alleyway. And his goal is to never allow somebody to get close to him again so he doesn't have to experience that loss. He cut himself off the, from the entire world because that's the only way he knows to keep himself safe anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It, it, does, it does do that for sure. And I, I think it doesn't in a very, like I said, comedic way, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely there for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I always think about this. Anytime I see any incarnation of Batman, really, I always think about how uh, I, I was at a convention one year and uh, they were giving their presentation, you know, DC was giving their presentation and it was Dan DiDio who was up on stage and he was talking about uh, the differences between like Superman and Batman and in particular what makes Batman work so well. And he's like, Superman is Superman. You put him in any story, he's pretty much always the same. There's not much that you can do with that character that's, you know, outside of the norm. But Batman 
is an extremely malleable character who can fit into basically any type of story that you need to fit him into. He can be in The Dark Knight and be super serious and super realistic, or he can be in Lego Batman and be like a toy, you know, who's cracking jokes. And you can adapt the character and change it and and, and make it fit into whatever story you're trying to tell, and he always works. And that's one of the reasons why he's such an impressive character, because he uh, can be whatever you need him to be, you know, and it won't break the character. It's not like you're altering the character in order to, you know, so that he's no longer Batman, you know. And and I, I, I found that to be really interesting. And, it, you know, now every time I see anything, any incarnation of Batman, I always kind of appreciate it. And it helps me to kind of understand that there is no definitive version of Batman and that, you know, Lego Batman is not any more or less legitimate than, say, Ben Affleck Batman, you know? It's all Batman. It's all true. It's all real. It's all part of the overall mythology. And, you know, it's it should be accepted. You know, it, it shouldn't just be like a one-off that people are like, well, well, that was fun. You know, I mean, it should be, you know, looked at with this uh, as much, you know, um, you know, of a critical eye as, say, Batman versus Superman, you know? And and see, that's the thing where I disagree completely with Dan on that. Okay. I, I, and, and, not, and, and not on the Batman part, because I think you're absolutely right, but I disagree with the Superman part because I don't, I don't think Superman's that cookie cutter of a character. I think that does a disservice to the 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 Superman character, and that's why you end up with such bad Superman movies and or um, bad Superman comics is because there's that fundamental misunderstanding of who the character Superman is. That's a whole other s- story. Uh, if you want to hear my take on Superman, did a show last year with John Mills about Superman, and we that's all we talked about. So. But I think that's absolutely correct, though, because they do approach Batman with that. And there, there is this core to who Batman is, but you can take him lighter or darker uh, and so that he can fit in something that's more of a comedy uh, or, as Alfred likes to call it, your psychedelic phase <laughs> um, from the 60s. Uh, or you can take it to the, the Dark Knight Batman v Superman extreme, you know, where where you've got the character who's uh, almost at his breaking point. Uh, you know, he, he's almost completely something you almost don't recognize, but still the kernel is there. And I think they found that in this movie, and I, I think that that is very helpful. Now, while doing this whole character thing, I, I think it's also great that, you know, the whole arc is him learning that he can't cut himself off from the world that he does need others that Batman can't just stand alone and I think to me that was um, you know I guess the depth that we get in this film of, of Batman going through that arc of finding out that even Batman can't do it by himself all the time uh, and Batman shouldn't do it by himself all the time because it's it's hurting himself but it's also hurting others because People need him. They need him to be open with them and teach them and and be friends and all that kind of stuff. And I I thought that was that was a good message because in general, I mean, how many of us have been hurt in life and want to pull away and just 
we end up hurting people around us and, and hurting ourselves in the same process because we're, we're not willing to open back up. And, and that's, that's a great message for kids to learn, you know, life sucks, but you got to get back up and, and get back at it the next day. And Batman takes them a long time to learn that in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it makes sense. It really does make sense, you know, because I mean, one of the things that he has to do is kind of accept what it is that is, uh, you know, causing the problem in the first place and sort of deal with that issue before he can move on and become, you know, a part of, of a team, you know. And, and, and I think that, that works out pretty well. Well, and, and this was the interesting thing for me. And, and we're going to like, we're going to be kind of jumping around all over the place. So definitely, obviously, there's tons of spoilers here. So, you know, uh, you've been warned. But, you know, this whole idea of character, and, and really it gets me to the end uh, of the movie, because something that actually kind of bothered me was this whole idea of that I had a problem with the way the movie ends. That it's him trying to convince Joker to help him save the city. Mm-hmm. When I felt like that it should have been him admitting that he needs the help of the Justice League that he never calls on. And I don't I didn't I don't like the end. I don't like the way it ends. I don't like that it's the Joker that he's trying to convince because that doesn't make any sense because the Joker is is the bad guy. And and I get the whole like funny part of the that I need you, but I hate you. You know, we that the whole that that basically it's the dark night for kids here. Um actually really it's the killing joke for kids. I was going to say it's the killing joke for kids and that's why I think it does work. But it doesn't work here because um it's it doesn't work in a funny setting. It works in the serious setting of the killing joke. It doesn't work as a funny setting. And that's why I feel like you need to substitute the Joker for the Justice League. Uh, because it just it doesn't work here because the message is all weird then, especially for kids. Like, uh, Joker's an all-in-all bad guy, you know? So calling him and asking him to save the city, that's he's not going to save the city. I, he's well, not going to have a heart in the end. Like, it doesn't... It just... That's where it totally fell apart, and 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 it's like I I didn't I didn't buy it. Yeah, no, I definitely disagree with that because you know I mean as, as soon as they started doing the Joker thing at the beginning, I was like, wow, yeah, this is straight up part of the mythology. This is very much the dynamic that Batman and Joker have, where you know the idea is especially more from Joker's perspective than Batman's perspective because Batman is kind of like you know. I need to stop Joker. You know, he he is not a good presence here. The reason why I exist is to get rid of Joker, but I don't want to be Batman. You know, that's kind of Batman's side of it. Joker's side of it is, you know, Batman is his audience. Batman is the person who he's constantly trying to impress. You know, a lot of people say, like, the Joker is in love with Batman. You know, that is that's not an unusual concept. That's something which runs through a lot of the comics and i think that that's very very true you know the the joker is constantly trying to impress batman he's constantly trying to get batman's attention he's trying to make batman laugh you know i mean that's all throughout the animated series that's you know throughout killing joke and while batman will not exist without the joker that's what batman wants batman wants to be able to to you know hang up the cowl right 
But for Joker, he wants to exist. Joker needs Batman to exist because if he, if Batman doesn't exist, there is no Joker, and and that would you know destroy him. It would he would he would cease to exist. You know and. The, the way that they, they set that up at the beginning of the movie, I thought, was incredibly solid. But the way that they they bring it together at the end, while maybe not completely true to, you know, the dramatic whatever, I think that it, it does work because it is showing, it, it is playing into the, the theme of, of, of Batman needing people and admitting that he needs people whether they are family or villains or whatever but it's also the type of thing where it's not you know the joker from you know dark knight or the killing joke where he is like this mass murderer who needs to go to jail forever and ever i mean he's mischievous you know he's he is still just a toy and you know it's not like they they're getting really hardcore with this character so I think the idea of sort of like Batman, you know, accepting Joker, you know, and, and saying like, hey, you know, you are of value to me. I hate you, you know, that kind of thing. And and the Joker sort of like feeling accepted and sort of like um, taking that acceptance and turning it into a positive thing and turning, you know, you know, seeing the error in his ways in a sense, even if it's for just, you know, that moment in time and joining with Batman to save the city. I think that that's a, a really good message for this movie. And it's also a really good message for kids, you know, and sort of saying like, you know, you don't always have to be the bad guy. You know, if you're, if you're, if you do something wrong, if you're a bully or whatever like that, you can still change your ways. You can still, you know, save the day and, you know, Hey, you don't always have to, you know, punish the it's people like a who are bad Phillips guys. Song. It's you know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty deep. You know, it's 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 a pretty good message for kids. It's like there, it's not black and white. You know, people can be bad and then be good. You know, that sort of thing. And I don't know, bringing Justice League into it. I mean, they could have done that, but that to me would have been like really unwieldy. And it to me, it would have been nothing more than an extension of bringing the Bat family into it. I mean, that's the same sort of thing. Whereas I think by by doing this with Joker, it's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum and it's dealing with some other issues which are bigger than just, you know, like, hey, Justice League, come on and help me, you know? Well, no, I see, don't know. But that's, that's where I, I disagree because, again, I think uh, the whole premise of this is with the Bat family, you know, Robin and, and Batgirl... And then with the Justice League, it's Batman doesn't ask for help, you know, and I think that's the important message that they missed was Batman putting himself out there and saying, I need your help uh, to people that he doesn't normally ask for help from. And and it got and and. You know, I, I I get what they're trying to do with with the Joker, and that that's I mean, it's it's a cute thing, but you know, let's be honest, Joker is a psychopathic murderer, um, and in, so in, 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 in some and, continuities, and, no, he, in, he, in, he, even he, in this continuity, I mean, he's trying to destroy the city. Um, uh-huh. you know, he he's he's legitimately tried to blow up the city at the very beginning of the movie. 
Yeah, but are any, so, is anyone going to die from that happening? I mean, oh, a, that does anyone there to stop him? But my point is, is no. That's but what I'm saying goal. is, like, does anyone die in the in the Lego universe? You know, well, I mean, I don't know. No, they don't die because Batman stops him. But my point <laughs> is, is his goal was to destroy the city. So it it, it mean, doesn't. I just I think that it, the message would have been stronger and more in keeping with the the arc that Batman is on, which is the main character, and that's all that matters, if it had been him asking not just for help from the Bat family, but also asking for help from the people he never asked help for and never invite him to parties because they know they don't, they're not wanted. Um, you know, that's like, it was funny that he goes to the party and nobody realizes that Batman's even there because Batman's never there. They never, you know, Batman's not a part of the Justice League. So I just felt like the the theme would have been stronger and less muddled if it had been those people they asked and felt. I had no problem with him asking or, or accepting the help of the villains who were slighted by Joker. Um, and, and I thought that was really fun, you know, ha- having him work with all those villains who, well, they're kind of mad at Joker too, so that, and they don't want the city destroyed. Um, it, it just it got a little too cutesy to have them have to embrace at the end uh, and, like, you know, help save the city with Batman and Joker hugging, basically. And it was just like, this is this is too much. You're- yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that at all, you know. And I, and I do think that, you know, while I, I see what you're saying with him asking help from, from, you know, people who he, you know, never sort of acknowledges up until this point, I think that... There's enough of that going on, you know, throughout the movie, especially, you know, in the ending that you don't really need to bring in the Justice League there. And then you run into all sorts of problems in that, you know, Batman really doesn't belong in the Justice League because, you know, I mean, when you when you're faced with a a threat like that, it's like, okay, you know, you've got, you know, all these people who are, you know, superhuman, you know, I mean, once Superman's there, you know, Batman can pretty much just sit on the side and do nothing. Because he's Superman, you know? So, you know, especially in this where you need to basically, you know, make sure that Batman is still, you know, the hero, even though he's, you know, he needs help. I think that bringing the Justice League in would have just made things a little more complicated, a little too busy and big and, you know, unnecessary. Well, having read a lot of Justice League comics, Batman is definitely needed in the Justice League. I can tell you that. Uh, well, he's he's the brains of the opposite. Well, not just the brain. I mean, he's not the know. only brains, but I mean, he is he is he brings the cynicalness, uh, you know, which is needed for a lot of heroes that have nothing but optimism. <laughs> like yeah, the Doctor Flocks, you you kind of need that balance, and he adds the balance. So, no, I I, I just yeah. I think too, and we're continuing kind of this whole idea of the, the 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 character. But I want to move a little bit to just kind of the story itself and kind of the the editing structure of the film because for me, there there's the there's the first part of the movie which is really fun. You've got you know all the the big heists uh, with Joker and Batman stopping them and all that stuff, and then you get this like lull, and it's just like lol 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 i mean it's like three four five minutes in an animated movie of batman just doing nothing but eating by himself 
watching movies by himself and it's it's not well paced it's it's badly edited at that point it's like you needed to cut that stuff down because we get it batman's a loner he eats alone he watches movies alone like it just takes a little bit too long for that section to end uh and i i it was it was just too much I, I, let me put it this way after seeing the film i feel like this movie needed to be a straight to dvd hour film it didn't need to be a full animated feature in the, because the joke plays itself out and they let the joke linger on too much which is strange coming from the you know director of robot chicken where you have you know 3 minute skits and that's it yeah, I, I don't, I don't agree with that really. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that uh, that that sequence in the middle was hilarious, you know, and and I, I you know, if it lasted five minutes or whatever, I, it didn't feel like that because I think each little bit added something to it, and you know, I was constantly sort of just like, there, there's so much going on in terms of like, you know. I guess world building, you know, they have a knack for world building, as they say in uh, you know, <laughs> La La Land or whatever, um, that, you know, I was just kind of like fascinated by all of it. You know, I thought it was really funny, but I was also like really sort of interested in like, well, this is how Batman lives. You know, this is his life. And I thought that like the comic timing and a lot of that stuff was really, really funny, especially like considering the fact that it was an animated thing just... And I think a lot of that, it, it, it reminded me a, a lot of like sort of like the comic timing in Robot Chicken. And it, it, that stuff just cracked me up, you know. And uh, it, it was it was weird because like even in that sequence, you know, throughout the entire movie, there's so much going on. And, uh, you know, every single moment of the movie, you know, like halfway through or whatever, I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I, I can't. I like, you know, most movies or whatever, you can be like, okay, I know what's how this scene is going to play out. I'm going to just sneak out right now and I'll be right back and whatever. With this movie, I was like, I cannot leave my seat because I know that I'm going to miss like 15 things if I do, even though I know like in terms of the narrative, what's going to happen in this next scene, I'm going to miss like a million jokes and a million, you know, sort of like insights into the character or the world or whatever. Because it was jam-packed. And, I mean, I guess I, I was feeling a bit of fatigue because it was so, you know, like, relentless throughout the entire movie. And I can see maybe, you know, uh, tightening up, like, maybe the last, you know, 20 minutes a little bit. You know, maybe making it, you know, like, five or ten minutes shorter. But on the whole, I mean, but that, I mean, I think is true of pretty much any comic book movie, you know, uh, usually when we get to the climax, I'm like, okay, how long is it going to take them to beat the big bad guy this time? You know, and then it usually takes about five minutes longer than it should. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm not going to really knock it for that. But on the whole, I thought, you know, it was, it was really well uh, paced and I, I thought it did a great job of making every moment count, you know, and, and always adding something to it. Yeah, and I think I think for me personally the the one note joke about Batman and who he is, I felt like got they rung the gong too many times with that one. And it, I I I feel like what you said, I was just a little fatigued with it kind of being the same joke repeatedly. 
uh, and and I didn't find as many. Um, and, and I've been thinking about the movie a lot uh, after I saw it, and just I, I just the more I thought about it, the less I thought of it, and that's never a good sign for me. Um, I, I, the more I kind of find to like pick apart at things, and it was frustrating because I I love Batman and I love you know the DC universe. And so I, I didn't enjoy that I came away feeling like that. So, but I'm glad to hear that you didn't, you know, and I think that just speaks that there will be people who just absolutely are buying it and love it. And, and then there are those that don't, and that's just the way it goes, you know, with anything. So um, I wish that I had felt a little bit more like you did because I, I guess, yeah, I just kind of came away feeling like if, if this had been an hour long at home, I guess I would have felt like it, it that's what it needed you know like one of their lego specials that they do yeah i mean you say like the more you think about it the less you know you think of it and i mean i i really have had sort of the opposite reaction to it where you know coming out of it i was like oh that was so much fun because it was funny and you know hey and jokes and then thinking about it the more that i think about it the more i think about you know sort of like how it was, you know, um, really kind of like dissecting the character and, and commenting on what the character is and what the mythology is and, you know, how that applies to all the other things that we've seen of Batman and how, you know, the next time I watch The Dark Knight, I'm going to view it through a different lens because I saw Lego Batman. And, you know, that makes me like it even more. You know, I, I think that I need to see this again for sure, like really soon. But I think that uh, that I appreciate it more now than I did when I when I came out of it. That is fast. That's fascinating to me, um, because I I guess um, yeah I don't see it, and and that bothers me that I don't see it. Um, but uh, maybe maybe that's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, one of the things that I I really did like. Uh, about the movie and the way they kind of constructed the story uh, was the fact that in the Phantom Zone, they had all these great villains from across the spectrum. That, of Warner that, Brothers properties. Yeah, and basically of Warner Brothers. But it it added a... Those were where the jokes, like it wasn't just about the Batman, but it became then a meta narrative about movies in general. And so, you know, when you have the gremlins and Sauron and the flying monkeys and Voldemort and all that stuff, that stuff I, I was I was finding really uh, enjoyable. And it added a extra layer of funny, I felt like in those scenes, especially during the end, that, okay, it's not just about the DC jokes, but it's now about, you know, movies that we kind of grew up with, you know, from uh, all across the spectrum, from Wizard of Oz to the 80s to, you know, I, I just, the Lord of the Rings, I, I thought that was great. And I, I really enjoyed that they they went that far because um, it also <laughs> kind of brought up, so are all those just the, the different earths you know like you have the lord of the rings earth you know that they pull you know yeah. <laughs> the, the wizard of oz earth <laughs> yeah i mean i i didn't have any problem with that necessarily i i you know in on further reflection i think like unlike the lego movie which was very much sort of about lego you know i think that this kind of falls into the same category as the the um 
Lego Star Wars movies that that you know Michael Price does, um, where the Lego aspect to it is almost secondary. It is definitely secondary, but it's almost unnecessary. And and it, it I mean it's fine. It works. It's not like it hurts it. But at the same time, you know, part of me kind of wishes like if this were just straight up animated and it wasn't actually Lego, then it would probably be stronger because it's much more of a Batman movie than it is a Lego movie. And, you know, the bringing in the other characters, you know, that kind of thing. I think that that was in a lot of ways sort of like a nod to the the Lego nature of it all. Yeah, the Lego and, dimensions, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of wish that that stuff wasn't in there just because it would have made it a, a bit more streamlined. And also, I mean, to be fair, I didn't get half the jokes because I don't know what a Harry Potter is. I've, you know, seen like two episodes of Doctor Who and you know, maybe one and a half, you know, Hobbit movies or something, you know, so I'm like, I don't care about any of this stuff, you know, I mean, that's just kind of part of it. I was like, is that, did they get Ray Fiennes? Because he's right there anyway. Yeah, they I, get Ray I was thinking the same thing, but it's not. <laughs> but it's like, not, it's like Eddie Izzard or something Yeah, like that, it is right? Eddie Izzard, which I thought <laughs> it was hilarious that Ray Fiennes is Alfred, and then he didn't also play Voldemort, but the problem is, is that they sound too similar. So kids Do they? would just, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his voice is indistinguishable. Like if if you watch a scene, just pick a scene on YouTube of Voldemort and yeah. listen. I mean, kids wouldn't be able to distinguish. Then why is Alfred all of a sudden Voldemort? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have yeah. been it would have been bad. So. Um, yeah. Which leads me to the character foundations uh, and the voice work. So, I mean, there's tons of people here. We're not going to talk through all of them. Uh, I don't even think we need to talk about Will Arnett because, I mean, he is genius in this role. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. there's what what can you say? But the one I really wanted to ask you about uh, the most is Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. Yeah. And what did you think? Because I came away with a distinct impression, but I'm, I want to hear what you had to say first. I wasn't really a huge fan. I mean, I, I think he did a serviceable job, but uh, I he, he wasn't a standout to me at all. You know, I, I think that we've, we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, various interpretations of the Joker over the years. And I mean, obviously, I mean, Mark Hamill is the Joker and everyone else is just sort of like a variation on that. And um, I don't think that Galifianakis's performance brought anything special to the table it's certainly not the direction that i would have gone in is it a bad you know performance no not not at all but it it doesn't rise to another level in the same way that you know will arnett does you know with batman yeah i think that you're absolutely right because will arnett has been able to create his own batman you know it is lego batman he is the lego batman now, uh, the same way that uh, we you kind of think of the Christian Bale Batman, you know, or, or you know, as we move on, we'll probably think of uh, Ben Affleck the same way or, you know, even Michael Keaton's Batman or all the way back, you know, uh, to to the goofy show in the 60s. You know, you have all these different Batmans you think of and they have kind of put their mark. This Joker, I, I honestly don't understand why they just didn't get Mark Hamill to do it. And maybe they couldn't because he was filming Star Wars at the time. But like, 
just get Hamill to do Joker because I, there, there's no reason to not do it, if you ask I, me. I mean, I, I see a reason not to do it. I, I see you wanting to make it its own thing. You know, I mean, everyone else is different. You but know, if everybody's going to getting... be thinking, man, I wish it had just been Mark Hamill when they come out. Well, I think what you need to do is find someone. I mean, in the same way that everyone thinks of Kevin Conroy and you bring Will Arnett in and he brings, you know, something different to the table. I think you need to find someone who's really going to bring something different to the table. And I think, you know, maybe they thought that was Zach Galifianakis. You know, I mean, certainly he's a very broad comedian, someone who on paper might be a good choice, but, you know, it, it didn't really work as well. I mean, I, thinking like... Who would I get? I, I, you know, I mean, I'd have to really think about it, you know, but um, I, I don't I don't know. I can't I mean, not, no one comes to mind off the top of my head, but, you know, maybe Tony Hale, you know, maybe keep it in the Arrested Development family. I don't know. I could definitely see him doing it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would have gone with Mark Hamill just because with the exception of Billy D. Williams, there's no one who's like reprising their roles from like another, you know, um, uh, incarnation. And I think that that is the, the correct way to go about it, you know. Which, speaking of Billy D. Williams, uh, he did not have enough lines in this movie. Like, I yeah, needed more Billy D. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do have to say, I thought <laughs> it's wonderful that Michael Sarah can still sound like a nine year old boy. Uh, yeah. His his Robin was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it worked really well. I yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and then you know Ray Fiennes as Alfred Pennyworth, I thought was really good too. Uh, yeah, brought a lot of fun to that role. Uh, and yeah, any other uh, of the voice actors that we get, anybody else stand out to you at all? Uh, that you you know is watching the film that it could be as small or big a character as as we got. Yeah, I mean Rosario Dawson was really good, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I love sort of the idea of, of Channing Tatum as, you know, Superman, <laughs> that, was awesome. that, that really, you know, works for me and Jonah Hill as, as Green Lantern, because Green Lantern really is always sort of like the kind of like, why are you here sort of thing, you know? <laughs> uh, and, Which uh, is you so know, sad because if you read the comics, Hal Jordan is just an incredible character. And you know, I totally bought into that. I, I totally bought into that for years and years and years. And then it took me about a good 10 years before I finally realized, like, you know what? I don't think I've ever read or seen a Hal Jordan story, which I've liked. I'm pretty I, much yeah. convinced at this point that Hal Jordan is just a crap character. And if you want to do Green Lantern, you should either get Kyle no, Rayner no, no, or Guy Gardner no, because no, Guy Gardner no. is the bomb. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I've read plenty of Green Lantern and okay. Hal Jordan is fantastic, uh, especially in I'm thinking uh, he he's great in Rebirth um, with... Um, Green Lantern Rebirth. He's he was excellent in uh, Blackest Night. Um, yeah, I mean, all these are Jeff Johns things, right? I'm totally over Jeff Johns. Well, there's another Jeff, guy. Yeah, Jeff Johns like, is is a fantastic <laughs> comic book writer, though. He someone needs to point me to the good Jeff Johns stories because I keep on reading the ones that people say I should be reading, and I'm like, this nothing happens. This is 120 pages of nothing. What's going on here? 
when's he gonna write something something uh, brightest day is also good too so okay um, well. no i i don't I, I personally i love jeff johns i've read a ton of his work uh and I, last year i read an exorbitant amount of comics that i had like big events that i'd missed and a lot of them are written by jeff and i will say that in dc almost nobody understands the world the universe as well as he does uh, he gets all the characters relate to one another. He gets the characters themselves pretty much better than anybody. Um, and he's he's a fantastic writer. So, um, yeah, gosh. Uh, I, I After uh, having read so much Green Lantern, I, I like Hal Jordan. I like him with Jon Stewart, too. Those two together are fantastic because Hal Jordan's the cocky son of a... And, how uh, John Stewart's more the kind of straight man, and they play really well together in the comics, uh, especially right now. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that really stuck out to me that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I guess I got to say, um, Ellie Kepner as Phyllis, the block running. Oh, the, yeah. The yeah. Phantom Zone was hysterical. I, I love her voice, and she's so good at that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, nobody else really stand, stood out to me. I think they all did a a good job for the most part. The only person um, that I... Mm, Zach Galifianakis, not great. Uh, but uh, just FYI, uh, it has come out that Rosario Dawson would actually like to play a live-action Ahsoka, so I'm all for that. So Yeah, anytime someone says something like, Rosario Dawson wants to play a live action Ahsoka. My response is always, "Me too," because why not? Yeah. It, <laughs> if I mean, anyone, she's if fantastic. anyone, I, I would. No, what I'm saying is, like, I would love to play a live action Ahsoka. Yeah. But when I read that, my 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 thinking was like, "You're saying this when you're promoting a voice acting gig." Meanwhile, Ahsoka has someone who has yeah, been performing that for so. freaking years and yep. is perfectly capable, I'm sure, of you know performing live action Ahsoka. Yes, she, she could, and but, I would have no problems with it. Uh, <laughs> so it would be wonderful if if they actually did that. But thinking about just kind of assembling the music in the in the animation, I wanted to ask you just kind of about how you thought all of that worked, uh, especially. Because, I mean, for me, I felt like they really upped their game animation-wise from the Lego movie to this movie. Yeah, I don't know if they really upped their game necessarily. I thought it was really good, but I thought it was really good in Lego movie as well. I mean, I love the the way that they, they do animate these movies where it feels like it's stop-motion animation. It feels like yep. something that you would do with Lego at home, you know, with your camcorder or whatever the kids use these days. And, you know, I, I, I always... iPhones. Yeah, yeah. And, and I always really, like, loved that, like, aesthetic of the first one and the way that, you know, the pieces almost look like they're being photographed and they have, mm -hmm. like, yeah. all the little, like, you know, damage, you know, from playing with them, scratches or whatever. And, and you know all that stuff was really good. Um, I, I I do have to. Say, I, I was debating uh, really you know hard whether or not to see this movie in two D or three D because um, the three D is so good in, in in the the original Lego movie. And I I opted for two D just because it was an IMAX and the only show that they had. And um, I thought it looked fantastic. And I thought that you know it sounded fantastic as well. I mean you you mentioned the music. Uh, the score I thought was 
perfect because it really did sound sort of like an animated version of, you know, the Hans Zimmer stuff in Dark Knight, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And I, I thought it was a, a, a great score and, and a great, you know, sounding movie on the whole. And and yeah, you're right that the animation was really, really good. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I, I feel like that. Um, and when I say that they just up their game, uh, I feel as though um, that the animation, it just looked crisper and clearer and uh, the the look of all the pieces was even more defined. Um, you know, you really did feel as though you were in a Lego set, you know, uh, you, you could see all the individuals. I mean, even thinking of, of when, um, they're breaking into the plane at the beginning and they're using the fire and it's all these little fire pieces that yeah. are falling, you know, just, just the detention to detail is, is phenomenal. Being somebody who is a fan of the toy Lego, it looks amazing. Uh, and I'm, I agree with you too. The score, it does sound like kind of a culmination of all the Batman scores, kind of into its own thing. So yeah. I, and then the music choices that they chose were just super fun uh yeah. throughout the film, you know, uh cutting crew and and things like that playing throughout the film. That those were some of the things that had me laughing the hardest when certain songs just came on and you know, when uh Robin's uh getting, you know, changing his clothes and he's looking for a song and it's wake me up before you go girl and I'm like Oh, no kid is going to get where that song comes from, but it's just hysterical, you know, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they did a good job with the music. So I guess it it all comes down to to the big question then of what do you rate uh, Lego Batman? Um, I guess if I'm rating it on like a a four star scale, I, I would probably go with like three and a half stars. Um, I, I do think that it is the best movie of the year so far. And, you know, to be completely honest, this year has, has started off, you know, uh, fantastically well, you know, as far as movies are concerned, we've had a lot of really, really solid movies come out the last few weeks. And, um, this one I think is definitely the best of all of them, which is, is really saying a lot. I mean, it it could very easily end up on my my top 10 at the end of the year. And I think that is really interesting because this is the fifth film, the fifth Batman movie to be released theatrically in the span of a year, which is insane. I mean, what kind of, you know, world are we living in? This is amazing. Um, And, you know, if you were to like lay out those five movies, you know, a year ago and say, okay, place them in the order that you think they will fall. I would have placed them in a very specific order, which would have been very different from the order in which they fell in terms of quality. And I think, I mean, it's close in some regards, but I think that this one is number one out of all five. And uh, that's extremely impressive and unexpected. So yeah, I I liked it a lot. That's awesome, man. Uh, For me, I'm going to go without a five. And... um, I would say that this is a three, three and a half star out of five or three, three and a half batterings. First try. Um, and so, I, you know, I like it, but I I didn't love it. And, and I, w- I wanted to. And I, I go into every movie hoping that I'm really going to like it and that, um, 
you know, and obviously I'm a huge DC fan, I'm a huge Batman fan. I really, I mean, Batman's right up there with Superman and Wonder Woman as my favorite all-time superheroes. So uh, it's it's definitely not the best movie I've seen this year. Um, I For me, Hidden Figures was the best movie I've seen this year. Oh, uh, that counts the as last year. So, <laughs> um, well, but for me, it didn't come out till January. So, um, yeah, I, I guess... Uh, you know, if I'm looking at it, it may be the best film I've seen this year, but I haven't seen very many movies this year. So, I, you know, um, I don't know. I think maybe John Wick 2 beats it. So I was I was definitely disappointed with John Wick 2. I mean, I liked it. But I was going into it like, is this good? You know, oh my yeah. god! John. Side, and I'm we'll, just we'll like, do a little side <laughs> episode here. But I'm, I, I'm right there with you. Like it, it, it is not as good as the first one for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, and and I'm gonna add, I, heck, we're we'll do do a tiny mini little uh, John Wick thing, and everybody get a little bonus. Yeah. So, uh, John Wick two. Were you frustrated as well that it's so much just? Oh well, now you have to see part three. Because that pissed me off. I was no. like, come on, finish the story enough so that, like, I was just mad at that. No, I mean, it, t- it took it to a different place, you know, in the same way that the first one ended and it went to a different place. And I was okay with, you know, leaving the door open to, you know, expanding the world even more. I think that some of the places that this one went were a little weird. You know, I, I don't necessarily buy all of it. And, you know, I think that, you know, this kind of suffered from the you know, Home Alone 2 syndrome of like, everyone liked the first one, so let's just do that, but more, you know, and the first one was so sort of like clean in its narrative and in its action sequences and everything that, that I feel like there was almost no way to top it. I don't know why I thought that this one would top it, I guess because everyone was saying how great it was, but I was definitely disappointed with John Wick Chapter 2, but that being said, I'm very much looking forward to John Wick Chapter 3, whenever that comes out. I absolutely agree with you, Mike. I absolutely agree with you. I, I feel like um, that what they need to make sure that they do do for the next film is to not just have it be more of the same. Like, they have to change it up. or Because I, I felt the fatigue in this one already of like, this you just did this stuff last time, but it was better last time, you know? Yeah. And so if you go into, I mean, I want to see three because I, I'm, I'm feeling like that they're setting up this specifically to be a trilogy and mm-hmm. then it'll be John Wick, the final chapter, you know, yeah. uh, which is great because Keanu is going to get too old to do this anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I, they, they really do have to find their way to doing something that is completely different than what they've done in the first two films so that it feels fresh. Um, and really if they hope to kind of go out with a bang, uh, which hopefully they're not trying to make this into a 20 film franchise. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that was great. Now I'm glad I got to talk about John Wick with somebody. So there you go, folks, a little bit of bonus there for you. Uh, I'm really excited that we got to talk through all of this stuff though, with, with Lego Batman and John Wick. Uh, I hope that, uh, you've enjoyed the show. If you had, and you know, share it with people, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever that is that you want to share the show. Um, that really does help us grow. It's word of mouth that really helps, uh, any podcast grow. And, and so, uh, 
please do that for us uh, here on Trek FM and with the 602 Club and then with the star ratings reviews on on iTunes. And really want to say thank you to some gentlemen who have believed in this show from the very beginning, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, and Norman Lau. Your support of the show as associate producers through Patreon means so much to me. So I really appreciate that. And they support the whole network with what they do here, not just the 602 Club. And you can too. Uh, we definitely need your help in that. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and you can see the ways in which you can make sure that every single part of the Trek.fm network keeps coming to you each and every week. We definitely need your support. There's no way that we here at the network by ourselves can make this happen. So again, go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can become part of the team. Man, Mike, uh, it's been a long time since you've been here, and since then, you've added some new things to the Mike Schindler resume that everybody needs to be aware of. So where can they find you, and uh, what podcasts are you doing these days? Um, well, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing Stage 9, where we talk about uh, the people who make Star Trek. We just uh, did an episode looking at uh, your favorite movie, Pacific Rim, um, where we talk not, about not my uh, favorite movie the actually my most hated movie of like the last 10 years but that's so weird yeah. <laughs> it's awful that's why <sighs> okay <laughs> but yes we talk about that movie and, and uh, Guillermo Navarro the cinematographer he's shooting the Discovery pilot so that's exciting and uh, you can find me on thenerdparty.com doing um, Great Shot Kid, which is basically the same exact thing as Stage 9, only we talk about the people who make Star Wars instead of the people who make Star Trek. We just did an episode on American Graffiti. Uh, looking which was at, a great uh, episode, by the way. Everybody oh. should be listening to that. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And then you can find me uh, over on uh, commentarytrackstars.com doing Commentary Track Stars, where we do uh, audio commentaries and various other things. We just did, uh, uh, as an interest to people on the network, perhaps, we just did a commentary for Star Trek Beyond, uh, me and, and my co-host Max, where we uh, dissect that movie. So check it out, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Well, awesome, Mike. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me over on Instagram at MRushing. Um, I'm here on the network with Chris Jones doing The Orb, talking about Deep Space Nine. We do hope to be back soon. Uh, you know, as long as Chris' health continues to improve, which we are very thankful that it is, your uh, thoughts and prayers are definitely uh, very, very much appreciated in that. Now, uh, I, I encourage you, go over and check out the website, uh, trek.fm. Choose the orb. Check it out. I updated all the show pages, so there's a brand new look there. So I hope everybody will enjoy that as we gear up, hopefully, to come back with that show. Uh, of course, you can find 602 Club and Star Wars The 602 Club Collection on iTunes, both of those feeds. Uh, if you love Star Wars and just want to get all the Star Wars episodes, that's there for you. On the Nerd Party Network, just like my good friend here, Mike, I'm doing aggressive negotiations with a man that we are both familiar with, John Mills, and we just talk Star Wars each and every week. It's fun, goofy, serious, silly, esoteric, weird, it's everything that you can fit in with Star Wars, and we talk about it all. That's aggressive negotiations. And then I'm doing Owl Post, the Harry Potter podcast with Drea Kaufman, and we are walking through every single chapter of Harry Potter one chapter at a time. So if you're like Mike and you've never really gotten into Harry Potter, 
kind of the perfect time to do it because we're going really slow and we're taking it a chapter at a time so everybody can read a chapter a week. If you're a huge fan, we also dive into some of the ways in which those chapters connect all over the place and what Rolling is doing. So I hope you, you will check both of those shows out, all of those shows. Well, thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now, you hear?